0: Good morning. So glad to be with you. Uh, This is Mission Sunday. Some of you have been thinking, why do they have t-shirts on? Why do some of them have jerseys on? Uh, The mission team had asked us to, to dress with appropriate gear for the team or the ministry or the area of service that we support. And then to be reminded that as a church, as one body of Christ, we are on one team together. The spirit of the living God unifies us and we have one important mission. That is God's mission. And today you will be hearing testimony from several people about how they have been moved by the love of God in such a way that they have chosen to love and serve others. Mission Sunday. Today I want to challenge you. I believe that God is calling us to a shift in our mindset. A shift from doing a mission project or going on a mission trip to shift from that to what I would call living missionally. Living missionally. Some of you know that as the United Methodist Church, as a denomination across the world, our mission statement is to make disciples for the transformation of the world. Disciples are students, followers of Jesus. Jesus taught a lot about living missionally rather than doing a service project, rather than going and doing but living missionally. So I I want us to take a a look at several passages, passages of Scripture. And I, please, I encourage you to write these references down, take a picture of the slide, so that over the next few weeks, you can meditate and pray over these Scriptures. Because if we are diligent about being about God's mission in the world, then we will take to heart what the Holy Spirit is calling us, how the Holy Spirit is calling us to live according to Scripture. So I want to go first to Mark chapter 12. This is what Bill and Melanie Reeves shared as founders of River Life last week. Mark chapter 12, starting with the 29th verse, answering of all of the questions, which is the most important? And this is what Jesus, our Lord and Savior, answered. The most important one is this. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O church. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Then I want to take you to Luke chapter 6. Luke 6 starting with the 32nd verse. If you love those who love you. What credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons and daughters of the Most High God because He is kind to the ungrateful. He is kind to the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Move on over to Romans 12. Romans 12, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, your whole selves, to offer your lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. For by the grace given to me, I say every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. James 1, starting with the 22nd verse. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a person who looks at their face in a mirror And after looking at themselves, goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, the perfect law, the love of Jesus Christ, and the one who continues to do this, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, but living it out, that person will be blessed In what they do. So, the United Methodist Church, we know about our mission across the world, but let me suggest to you what I believe the mission of God might be. I believe as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to be witnesses of his love. We are to be a blessing in the world, in our everyday lives. We are to be image bearers of his light and his love. We are to be loving and serving others and living in such a way that other people might experience the hope that Jesus Christ brings. I want to call it side by side living. Side by side living in our homes. Sometimes, my friends, that's the hardest place to share the love and light of Jesus Christ. Side by side living in our homes, at school, on the soccer field, at the football field, at church, and in the, our community. I want to suggest to you that missional living is cruciform love. Cruciform, the definition for that is to look like the cross. To me, that word sounds like crucifixion and transformation combined. Think of what we've been singing about. Think about how the cherub started us off this morning. I am so glad that Jesus loved me. It starts from God, our heavenly father, sending Jesus to earth, our help from heaven, his unconditional love to us from heaven to earth. And it's all about our believing it, believing that God loves even me, believing that God loves us, receiving his love in such a way that we become rooted and grounded and established in his love that we can't help but share it with others. Cruciform love, missional living, looking like the cross. It means to be with others. A mindset of side-by-side living rather than living out of a level of superiority. Oh, you are less than, so let me help you out. Heaven to earth earth side-by-side living. So missional living, I believe then, is Philippians 2 living. You know this scripture, but we've got to hear it again this morning. Philippians 2, starting with the uh, third verse, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And here it becomes real. Your attitude, or I would say our lifestyle then, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. Did you hear the scripture that Brent shared? It was all about dying with Christ, enduring with Christ, suffering with Christ so that his love, his light might be lived out. So missional living then, I believe, looks like this. It's selfless. It's when we humble ourselves, when we become servants. It's sacrificial. It's costly. In Matthew 16, Jesus tells us to deny ourselves, die to self, to take up our own cross and follow him. It's costly. Cruciform love, missional living is going to be counter-cultural. It will be against the grain because we are giving of ourselves in such a way that there is no intention of getting anything back or receiving anything in return. Missional living requires faith. (laughs) It requires risk. It requires obedience. Obedience to God's call in our lives. And for me, I believe that means we need to have a willing attentiveness to the way the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. In other words, we need to be ready for random encounters. Some people call these divine appointments. Random encounters throughout the day where we might be able just to share a word of encouragement with someone else, where we might be able to love on somebody else, where we might be able to help and serve. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you eyes to see like God. Give me eyes to see your children. What are the needs here? How does God want me to help? Missional living, Acts 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It is all about God's Spirit, the Spirit of the living God within us. It's not about us. It's when we humble ourselves, when we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, that we live as living sacrifices out of that cruciform love. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's put it into perspective. Lately, for the last couple years, we've been talking about here, there, and everywhere. In Scripture, obviously, Jerusalem is the here. Judea was about 19 miles away. Samaria, 35 miles away. That was the there. And then, of course, Jesus throws in to the ends of the earth. My friends, how is God calling you to live out your life here, there, and everywhere? I want to call up some folks now. First is Kate Collins and her daddy Randolph. Don't be overwhelmed by the list, but these friends have powerful testimony to share with you.
1: I went to kids. I liked packing book bags for children in need. I learned how to handle bullies by giving them a smile. We traveled to a home to help with yard work. We help the elderly by pulling weeds from their garden. It is important to serve others. They can use our help in times of need. Okay, so over the summer um, on Choir Tour, I had a chance to go to um, Refuge of Hope and work over there. Um, Refuge of Hope is a shelter for homeless men, and it's also a support center for men. They give them like a certain amount of days where they um, stayed in the shelter and thought about their uh, societal, economical, and personal issues, and then they help them um, get closer to Christ and were able to get them out of the shelter and into homes and get a job. And um, I went over there and we helped clean the shelter. Um, we pulled out weeds. And th- through all that, um, my motivation was God's love. God's love um, and my love for helping people and my compassion for helping others. Um, but mainly God's love and the Holy Spirit. And um, just what's easy is to, it's easy to think about ourselves a lot it's easy to say like if I do this for that person it's gonna make me feel good and it's gonna make me look good but when we have the Holy Spirit in us and God's love in us helping people becomes more automatic and it doesn't we don't think about ourselves more we think about if we help this person we get nothing in return and that's that's what we want to think about Um, it's difficult stay motivated especially when you're pulling weeds and really hot weather for like three hours but um just staying motivated and thinking what are you there to do what are you there for and who are you there to do this for so just thinking all that really helped um it changed my life because it opened my eyes to see how blessed i am a lot of the times we don't get to sit down and like thank god for everything that He's blessed us with, but when you see something like that, it really changes your vision of things. Um, it's, it was exciting to um, and encouraging to help others, and that makes me want to help others more because seeing that and just it really opened my eyes, and I want to help people more. And um, I learned how much you can change and make someone's day, and not just their day, but their whole lives we went over there, and someone's job is to pick weeds out of that yard. And just for them to come there, and we were already doing it, they didn't have to do it that week. And just knowing that we could change that just for a split moment, it really just makes them feel good. And that's what we want. Or cleaning the walls of a shelter. Like, I know that nobody in here probably, that's not their big focus right now. Like, cleaning someone's shelter but like to them to go into their home that night and to see it all clean like that probably meant the world to them just that we changed that for just a split moment Um, and I think that everyone's goal when they help someone is to leave something better than they found it to walk into some place and realize that this needs changing and to be that change. We need to be that change in the world. And we as Christians need to go out and serve because that is what Jesus calls us to do. And we need to be the light in the world to people. Um, And to set an example of his love, you know, we can walk into some place and be the Holy Spirit in their lives and to help them meet Christ. And that is so important especially to some people who have never met, been able to like be close to God. We can be that person to them. Um, Just helping others through uh, love and serving. I think that's a big part of mission work. And even to go out and, you know, like clean someone's yard, your neighbor, that's mission work. A lot of times people feel like they have to go across the country or go around the world. And yes, that's great. And that's so important to do. And we need to think about stuff like that. And if you are able to, you know, take every opportunity that you can to do that, but even someone in your household, like if you help them, that is mission work. Helping your neighbor, that is mission work. Helping someone in your community, that is mission work. And we as Christians are called to do that. So that's what I've learned over the summer. Thank you.
2: So, I also went on choir tour this past year up to Cleveland, right? And um, we helped in the Salvation Army and then this church in the outskirts of um, Cleveland. And I'm just going to read a paragraph. Uh, the past few years on choir tour, we switched up our normal activities to figure in mission work with our normal schedule. At first, most, most of the youth found it as an unattractive idea. But serving people who are a lot less fortunate than you will have a far greater impact than any roller coaster, baseball game, or museum, we quickly realized. For Choir Tour 2018, we went up to Cleveland and served in multiple different nonprofit organizations and churches. When at the the church, who has been facing hardships such such as debt for the past few years trying to help the surrounding community. We served as a light and a small glimpse of hope. When we initially arrived to the church, the materials for us to use to clean up the landscaping around the church were not even there yet. This was because many groups before us had offered help, but nobody showed up. So after finally getting all of the mulch and unlocking the garage full of yard tools, we went to work. The church had nothing but joy for us. On top of drastically improving the landscaping and the physical condition of the church, we connected with the locals who would walk by and ride their bikes, The pastor was so thrilled that he would watch some of our youth play with the children on his phone through the security cameras because he couldn't be there. One of the major problems the church had been facing was connecting with the community and showing people that church is for everybody and not just for one group. Our church ended up encouraging the children, playing with them, and connecting with them. This was bigger than any landscaping or physical work that we could have done. In the end, I think as a group we learn that mission work is bigger than yourself, and not everything will turn out. High. In the end, I think that as a group we learn that mission work is bigger than yourself, and not everything will turn out how you expect it to be. Small acts go along. Small acts go a long way. Large acts go a thousand times further.
3: All right, so I'm going to talk about our Sunday school class. So as a Sunday school class, we've made missions in serving a part of who we are. Um, I'll give you a few examples here, from packing meals this morning during the Sunday school hour to uh, working in the warehouse and doing meal service at Bridging the Gap, uh, construction work at Serve Coweta last month, uh, sponsoring children from the Joy Tree at Christmas, and then also making it our annual class social to go shopping for these children together. Um, caring for shut-in families throughout the year, and even later this month, we'll be serving dinner as a class at the Ronald McDonald House in Atlanta. So as you can see, missions is a part of who we are. Uh, We find that it is important to be the hands and feet in the body of Christ to those outside these walls. Um, And also, I wanted to share a few quotes from my classmates that I had them pull together. So here's just a few quotes of, of why we serve. I serve because there is a need. I serve with my classmates because we can do more together than I can do alone. Being able to help my immediate community gives me a sense of joy and fulfillment that I can't find anywhere else. I enjoy serving because of the opportunity to help those in need, both physically and spiritually. Whenever we get the opportunity to give with our Sunday school class, we always walk away feeling like something was given to us, even though we never expected anything. We enjoy the fellowship with our class members and opportunities to serve together. And if we want people to know Christ the way that we do, we can't just sit inside and expect them to come to us. We have to leave the four walls of the church and be the church. In order to represent Jesus Christ, we have to represent his love to the world. It is important to me not just to fill a bag for Christmas or write a check, but to go and look my brothers and sisters in the eye, talk with them, pray with them, love on them the way that Jesus showed us. He didn't just sit in the synagogue and preach. He left those four walls and acted. Uh, One of our favorite quotes is from St. Francis of Assisi, which is, Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. And it should be our mission to live that type of life for Christ.
4: Good morning. I'm here to talk to you a little bit about my experience with the ZOE program in Kenya. I was drawn to this program from the very first time I heard about it. The unique empowerment design was something that I wanted to be a part of. When we got to Kenya, we visited with the ZOE office, three of the empowerment groups, and we got to go to a training meeting while we were there. The first group we saw was about two and a half years into the program, and we're going to be graduating this December. They were doing amazing. The second group, the Peace Preachers, which is the group that our church supports, they were just finishing their first year, and they were also doing amazing. The last group was their very first time meeting, and they were the group that I was the most concerned about meeting. They were still in the presence of hunger and in need of clothes and hopeless for the most part. Um, When they walked in, we met at a church and they had gathered them together. They had been recommended by some of their community leaders and they all came together. And when they walked in, many of them looked sad. They kept their head down. They wouldn't make eye contact with us. In about an hour... We went through this whole process of them sorting them out to find out who was qualified for the program, to tell them what the model looked like, and to just provide the information that they needed to know whether or not they were going to be able to participate in this program. They were left alone for a few minutes to elect um, leaders, which they do on their own. The children themselves actually do it. Um, they elected their leaders, they gave themselves a name as a group, and they selected a community leader to be a mentor for them. All of this happened literally in like an hour. When we went back in, those, those faces had changed. I saw lives transform right before my very eyes, literally in an hour Just because they had been given the information that they needed to find hope. This was something that was amazing. It was amazing to watch. It was amazing to see. And it made my heart smile. Um, As we met the different groups and some of the graduates from the program, I was struck by the joy that I saw in their faces It was joy that I have never seen or witnessed in any human being that I have ever met in my life until I met these children. If you want to see the love of God in the face of a child like I did, come see me. Let's talk about it. Seriously, let's talk about it. This program is something you will want to
5: know more about. So I just want you first to just think in your head the name of a child that is special to you personally. It could be a niece, a nephew, a daughter, a son, maybe even your neighbor. But then I want you to think about you know the hopes that you have for that child. You want them to be educated. you want them to be employed one day, hopefully, be a responsible citizen, and then I want you to think that everybody that takes care of that child dies or they're incapable of taking care of those children. And that's what Zoe is about. It's about taking vulnerable children who have nothing, their parents are gone or can't take care of them for some reason, and Zoe gives them hope. And while we were there, um, I told them the verse in Romans 5, 3 through 4. We are told we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And by supporting Zoe, our church is giving them hope every day. Uh, My family committed to giving $35 a month uh, about a year ago to the peace preachers. And um, initially I was drawn to it because as an educator myself, I'm like, this is cool. You know, we're teaching kids how to take care of themselves because they don't have parents to do it for them. Um, But it also made me think of that old proverb, um, give a man a fish and he eats for a day, but teach him how to fish and he eats for a lifetime. And um, after I read the book, and I will loan this to you, I think Joanne has more, but after reading this, I was hooked. I, I just couldn't believe how well designed this program was. And it didn't start out that way. It transformed as the uh, program went into effect. But um, I know even sometimes too we think, okay, why aren't we helping people in our own country? Well, after visiting these children and Zoe Kenya, we could learn a thing or two from them. Um, They really know how to empower instead of just give relief. a lot of things we could use right here in Coweta County. But like Julie said, the joy that these children exude because of the support from our church is just, it's exhilarating. Um, the Zoe Peach Peace Preacher group that our church supports told us that we were like their mothers and fathers. Because they didn't have real mothers and fathers to give them what they needed and help them learn about what you are, how you're supposed to live. And um, so just that $35 a month that we give is amazing. These children own businesses. They help their own community. They're giving back. And then they support possibly three or four people in their own household. And these kids are 19 years old and younger. And I have a 17-year-old, so, you know, it just really hits home. But um, I've never been on a foreign mission trip until this year. So I also went to uh, Guatemala in February, with my husband and two kids, and um, it was different than Kenya. We built a house in three days, which is totally amazing for people who have no construction experience. <laughs> but um, this was life changing for this family—a mother and daughter—because it provided them with the basic need of shelter. But both of these trips were very different, but they were both very worthwhile. And in Matthew 5:16, we're told to let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So please consider supporting a a mission project in this church, whether it be packing meals or serve Coweta. But just think, I want to challenge you to think, how you can show good works to honor your Father in heaven.
6: morning. Joanne asked me uh, why I serve, and I thought about it a bit and came up with three reasons. Um, The first was from the great theologian, Uncle Ben from the Spider-Man comics, who said, with great power comes great responsibility. I don't have any great power, so instead let's go with Luke 12, uh, verse 48. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. I've always felt as though I was blessed in my life. I grew up in a great home with a great family and never really wanted for anything that I needed growing up. I, like many of you, have been given much. And the Lord that I love has said, much will be demanded. Much will be asked of me volunteering is a way that I am able to fulfill that call. So reason number one is I volunteer because I was first given much. The second reason I volunteer is due to the impact of another volunteer in my life. Uh, You may or may not know, but my wife and I both grew up in Savannah, Georgia. And in the church we grew up there was a man by the name of Rick Monroe. And I'm hard pressed to describe to you the impact that this one man, this single volunteer, had on my life and had on the lives of countless youth across Savannah. Rick's love for God was evident every time you were with him and he demonstrated this love many times over. It was through him that I realized the importance of the laity. He was there as a mentor and he was there as a friend and most of all he was there as a shining example of what it means to live a Christ-like life, day in and day out. Through Rick, I came to realize that we are all called to walk on this Christian journey. We don't come to church simply to be served or ministered to, but we all have our part to play. So the second reason is I volunteer because I first experienced the power of a volunteer in my life. My final reason for volunteering comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, and, and in that chapter is the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Knowing, you know, what we know now it's not overly surprising, but to the disciples back then, Jesus, who, who, you know, the disciples' feet were dirty, they were muddy, who knows what they had stepped in on the road, in short, they were probably pretty disgusting And Jesus took on the role of a servant, not a master, not a king, not the Son of God, but a servant. And he wrapped his towel around his waist, and he bent down, and he washed their feet. Peter was utterly shocked and said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And when Jesus told him yes, he doubled down and said, no, you will never wash my feet. This is how shocking it was to the disciples this is how radical and unashamed Jesus' love was for them. And this is the example that he has left for all of us. We are to serve others, be that the babies in the nursery downstairs, the kids in vacation Bible school, the youth on choir tour, or adults in Sunday school. We are called to serve the other people in this church. And even more than that, we're called to serve the people in this community, and indeed the people. To the ends of the earth. So I volunteer because Jesus first showed me what it means to serve others. As is often the case, Jesus wants the best things for us. His logic is different than the world's logic. The world tells us that it's all about us, and Jesus tells us it's all about the others. But a funny thing happens when we focus on others. I promise that you will find personal happiness and personal joy. Some of my favorite times of the week are in Sunday nights when I get to spend time with the 3rd, 4th, and 5th graders of Route 345. In fact, just this past weekend, myself and four other brave adults took 22 of them to Camp Glisten. And we all came back a little tired, and the bus driver may or may not have lost his glasses sliding down the slide into the lake, But it was truly an amazing trip. And it was such a blessing to see God move and work in such a wonderful group of kids. It's easy to think that you're only one person. How much can you really do by just yourself? Much of who I am today is a direct result of just a few people who poured themselves into my life. You can be that person to someone else. You can be to them Rick Monroe was to me. You can be Jesus to them. Don't forget the reason that we are all here is due to the actions of a single individual from Galilee who showed us a better way to live. Thank you.